This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli podcast. Oh, man, this is podcast number. 99, which means the last podcast before we get to 100, and we're going to have a Bafo celebration for the 100, but that's down the road a little bit. We're going to focus on number 99 today, Thursday, July 20th. I'm actually doing this podcast from the beach, which uh, is nice and refreshing, and I smell the salt air, so we should have a lot of fun today. Of course, the Mike Missanelli podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. This is a good time to have Bet Rivers app. I'll tell you because you got the open in in Royal Liverpool. Everything's got to be royal. Every every golf course over there is royal. Like, like you know, Royal uh, 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 Cobb's Creek. Some some people are playing today. But anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to some great odds that you can bet on Bet Rivers and get that app on Bet Rivers. So let's start with we what we always start about. It's called it's called the current and what is going on currently in the area of Philadelphia sports and otherwise. And so let's start with your fight in Phillies. Now, they had one four straight, and they hit a roadblock last night. They lost to the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, this is a team – listen, I think the Brewers are probably going to win their division. But you still, this is a team that you got to vie with as far as wild card goes in case they don't win the division, in case Cincinnati Reds somehow win this division. So these are important games against the Brewers. They won the first game. They lost last night. And a couple of weird things happened in last night's game. We'll talk about that in a second, but I, I want to set where the Phillies stand right now. They are currently entrenched as the third wild card spot. Uh, of course, what you have now in the wild card standings: the Giants, Diamondbacks, Phillies, in that order. So the Phillies right now are, are third, and you got all the division winners. And of course, if, to reiterate how it works in the playoffs, the top two division winners get buys. And then you start with the other division winner with the worst record has to play in that first round against the sixth seed uh, of the wild card. Uh, so you just go down. It's one, two, three, four, five, six. Four, five, six would be the wild cards in that order. So right now, the way it stands, this, the Phillies would be the sixth seed. So the first round, if the Brewers win the division – and they have the worst record, which it looks like that's it, going to be. If they win the division, they're going to have the worst record because the Braves and Dodgers, far and away, one and two seeds will get the buys. The Brewers would then face the six-seeded Phillies. Now, of course, the Phillies can move up uh, or move down, whatever. But right now, they're in the sixth spot. And right now, they would play the Brewers in a first-round series. And the winner of that series would play the Dodgers. The winner of 3-6 plays the two-seed. So the Phillies would avoid the Braves. By this format, until the uh, National League Championship Series. So they got two series to play with. I think they can handle the Brewers, and the Dodgers probably a, a, a lesser climb than the Braves would be in the second round. So the four-seed Giants would then play the Diamondbacks. That's going to be a hell of a series. The winner of that series would play the Braves and so on and so forth. All right? So just that that's the way it stands now. I like to do this every now and then to check in on it and see where the Phillies are and who they would play. And, of course, this is speculative. It could all change. you got a lot of baseball to play, and it might not stay that way. But right now in the wild card, Giants, could they fold? Sure, they could. The Diamondbacks, could they lose ground? Sure. The Phillies could wind up being the number one seed, uh, the number one wild card seed, in which case that they would play the sixth seed. Then. They, would, they would move up there, and uh, they actually, uh, yeah, they would be the four in that case, uh, and, and they would play the, the five seed in the first round, and that would be a team that finishes behind them in the wild card spot if they can slide up. Uh, all right, so let's look at last night's Phillies game. Now, listen, they're going to lose games, and we're not going to quibble. They just won four in a row. They're going to lose a game, all right? So they were going to lose a game to the Brewers most likely. Uh, but a couple of weird things happened in that game last night. So let's look at the end of the game because I've been going back and forth on Twitter on whether this was a good play or not. 
Uh, and uh, listen, I, I, I know baseball pretty well. I played it. I, I, I can study it. And, and to me, in a situation like that last night, and let's describe what it was. You've got Alec Bowman with the plate. There's one out. Their closer, Williams, is on the mound. Um, but they've got first and third. One out in that situation with Stott on first base. Um, Risk-reward. Stott tries to steal the base. Now, the, the, the analytics say that Williams is really easy to steal on because he's got a slow deliver. I get all that. But let's look at risk-reward. Because in that situation, first and third, a double ties the game. Now, you may say, well, it's going to be tough for him to hit a double. Maybe maybe not. I don't know if he hit a double or not. Alec Bohm hits doubles. All right, so you got first and third. Stott tries to steal the base. Here's the upside of that. It puts two runners in scoring position where a single instead of a double ties the game. Now, this is where people go, oh, that's why it was a great play, Mike. You stay out of a double play and blah, 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 blah. Now, let's look at the risk. If he gets thrown out, the game is over. If he gets thrown out, you have now erased the tying run off the base. So while the reward seemingly is good, the risk kills you. So when I do evaluate a situation like that, if the reward is higher than the risk, I go for it. If the risk is higher than the reward, which clearly it is in this situation for me, because if you get thrown out, there's no tomorrow. If you don't try to steal the base, you could still tie the game with the double. And that's speculative. But if you get thrown out, that's declarative. That happens, and you're done now. You took the tying run off the base, and now you can't tie with a hit. So then you're going to need a couple hits. So I-, I was surprised that there was such blowback. Sometimes people think that the Phillies can do no wrong, that the Toji staff can do no wrong, that it was a really heady play. If you boil it down, it was not a heady play because you took yourself out of a chance to tie the game. And if you do nothing, Bohm hits a double, the game's tied. If you get thrown out, pack up the lunch bag and go home because you're not at that point, you're not winning the game. So to me, it was a very clear, foolish move. And I don't know if Sot did it on his own or whether he got assigned to do it. I, I don't know. They let these guys kind of run on their own. Stott's a heady player. I'm sure Stott is thinking, okay, the analytics say I can beat this because he doesn't hold runners on. My speed is good enough where I'm going to beat them. I'm going to steal the base. So it's less of a risk for me. But in general, it's a risk that outweighs the reward. Let me bring producer Darren into this situation. Darren, when you saw it, what did you think? I thought the same thing. I said, you can't do that when you're down two runs. It's a killer right there. It actually it ends the game early. It, it was an absolute killer. Yeah, and then people on the other side, they go, well, but Mike, you know, look at it, a single then ties the game. Well, guess what? A double ties the game, <laughs> right? Yeah. A, a, yeah. a double ties the game. You're still, t- you're still in a position to tie the game, whether he tried to steal that base or not. That's my point. All right. All right, let's move on now to the sixth inning. Or go, let's go below to the sixth inning. Bryce Harper comes yeah. up. This was so with, weird. With one of the weirdest yeah. at-bats that I've ever seen. And um, – I I don't know if he was asked about it after the game. They asked Hobie Milner, the left-handed sidearm pitcher who used to pitch for the Phillies, who was pitching in that situation where Bryce Harper takes four straight pitches and strikes out looking. Now, I I looked at him in the, in the first couple pitches that he took, and I'm going, he doesn't want to – he's disinterested in, in this at-bat. He like he doesn't want to hit. I mean, for some reason, he doesn't want to hit in this at bat because he didn't even measure those two, first two pitches. He just stood there, and and so we're trying to figure out why he would do something like that. And um, people are saying, well, you know that, that he was actually thinking that he was going to walk him because he can't throw strikes in that situation, and so he, he was he was determined to take a walk there. And but I'm going, okay, if you're determined, that's one thing. But if he throws your strike, you're not going to swing. Like, like this is the thing I don't get about that whole at bat. If you were programming, okay, he's probably going to walk me here, so I'm not going to make a foolish swing and get in the hole. There's another thing thinking, I'm Bryce Harper. I, I, I can hit the ball out of the yard at any particular time. Like, why would I go out there with the mindset that it's more important for me to take a walk here? You go up just like anything else. If he, if you know, he's a side armor. If you, if. If you don't like what you take pitches that you don't like, 
But if he's going to throw you a pitch down the middle, why would you not swing at that? I, I, th- it was an odd, really an odd circumstance. And I, I just kind of looked at his mental approach, and I'm thinking he doesn't want to hit here for whatever re- reason it is. Maybe his arm hurt. I, I don't know what it was, but it was one of the strangest things I've ever seen. And he should have been asked about. I don't think he took the bat off his shoulder. Mike, did he even take the bat off his shoulder? No, he he didn't. He just stood there and didn't look like he was even timing a pitch. It was one pitch that looked like he he timed, but the rest of the pitches he did not time. So uh, I don't know what the deal was with that situation. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Was he asked about it afterwards? I, I looked for a quote. I couldn't find anything. I, I think he may he may have hid in that kind of situation. Yeah. He, he may have hit. Uh, it was just odd. I, he never took the bat off his shoulder. I thought the same thing as you. I'm like, he, is he is he even tuned in to what's happening here? Yeah. Okay, so a um, couple of weird things in the Phil's game last night, but there's still, like, there's no question in my mind they're going to be a playoff team, and then you can follow along uh, with the bracket, with the playoffs, and figure out where, where they're going to sit. I just know they're not going to win the division. So uh, the highest seed that they could possibly get is a four seed, as the top wild card, and the lowest seed is the sixth seed. Uh, but they're going to be in it, and it doesn't really matter, I don't think, where they land because I think they're a bona fide playoff team, and they have four starters, which wears well uh, in playoff series. Uh, okay, uh, let's move on to the Sixers. And, and I guess the big news this week, Daryl Morey finally spe- spoke. Now, you know, years ago when um, we had this similar situation with Ben Simmons, Daryl came on my radio show, and that's where he uttered the, the famous thing, if it takes me four years, uh, uh, we uh, will. Uh, it'll take us four years to trade them because we're going to get back the return that we think we deserve, and we're going to trade them for value. Well, they're in the same stew uh, in, in right now with James Harden, maybe a little lesser stew than James Harden because he's on a a, a one year deal, uh, and it's. It, I think the onus is more on him. But uh, Daryl Morey went on Anthony Gargano's show uh, on the Fanatic this week and pretty much said the same thing. We're uh, Right now, in a, not in a good situation with Harden, and we are trying to accommodate him on a trade. We hope he has a change of, of heart, but we're just not going to give him away. So, again, we're, we're back into this Simmons thing where this is going to drag on. And where it's going to drag on is that there's not going to be a trading spot for James Harden, and the Sixers know it. And the Sixers know that it's not in his best interest not to play. He, he, he gains nothing by not playing. And let's straighten it out for the people that don't understand this. There are a lot of people out there that think that if he doesn't play this season, that he could just walk away and sign with anybody for nothing. No. He must perform that the last year of that contract that he just signed. He must perform that. It doesn't, it doesn't, if he doesn't play, it doesn't render. All right? So uh, he'll still be under, under uh, contract with the 76ers if he does not play the season. So, he had really has no options. He can sit out and and hope that they they trade him. In which case, uh, you, you, the clock ticks on his career, and, and he's old as it is, and he he probably he won't be playing, and he won't be in shape, and he's you know waste away this year, and he wants another contract. Who would then look at him and say, boy, he's really a valuable asset now if he sits out, if he's not playing at all? So the the only thing that he can do if the Sixers don't make a trade is he has to play. Now, I guess he can make it difficult for the Sixers if he plays half-ass. If he comes back and out of shape and he makes it so miserable for them that they can't stand the sight of him, and he plays so poorly that they are forced to trade him for anything. But the Sixers aren't that type of organization, right? They, they would sit him out and say, okay, if you're not engaged and you don't want to play, just like they did with Simmons, we'll toll the contract. And you're not going to get paid on the contract anyway, and you're back in the same situation. So when I say the Sixers are in the driver's seat, I really mean they are in the driver's seat. And I'm not just saying that because I want to stick up for the Sixers. James Harden has no outlet other than to play wherever. And if it's going to be the Sixers, he has to play to get his value at a certain level where he'd be attractive to another team for his next contract. If he doesn't play, he doesn't become more attractive. He becomes older and fatter. And that's the bottom line for James Harden. So my sense is this this is all going to come down to the end. They're going to kiss and make up, and he's going to play a last year of a contract here. Uh, Now, a guy like Harden um, is not a a pride swallower. Like, he's not the type of guy that would likely do that. Those guys that have made a lot of money over the years would rather say, fuck you, than to give in to do the right thing because that's the way they're programmed. 
So this is all going to come to a, a, an interesting clash here when we get to uh, training camp with James Harden. But anyway, Daryl Morey holding fast just like he normally does. He did the same thing with Simmons, and I don't know why people think he wasn't going to do the same thing with James Harden. All right, that's where that lies. Let's move. Let's stay on basketball because you know what's great about the NBA is that even in the offseason, you got great drama. The NBA is the most talked about league because these guys are just nuts. All right. And one of the nuts is Draymond Green. So he just signs a big contract back with the Golden State Warriors. Everything's hunky dory. But Draymond likes to yap. And Draymond likes to yap on his own podcast and on other people's podcasts. So he was on the Pat Beverly podcast, New Sixer, the Pat Bev podcast. Uh, and I don't know if Beverly asked him about it or not. He must have because. He asked him about the situation with Jordan Poole, who's now at the Washington Wizard, and of course the notorious clash before spring training or, or, or in the early days of, of training camp with the Warriors, where he cold cocked uh, Jordan Poole uh, after a beef, uh, and um, uh, apparently that affected the Golden State Warriors for the whole season with the dynamics and the chemistry and a whole bit. Whether it did it or whether it didn't is, is uh, irrelevant. Um, it continues to go on because Beverly asked him. And, and Draymond, instead of letting it go, says, uh, yeah, well, he said something that, uh, you know, men don't say to each other. Basically making the point that he deserved to get cracked. Now, that may or may not be true. But at this point, a guy like Draymond Green, has to, who's from where he is, has to carry that machismo with him and never, like, relent from it. So it's like, yeah, I kicked his ass, and he deserved it, blah, blah, blah. And all that does is carry it on, because now Jordan Poole's father gets involved, and he tweets, and then Draymond tweets back at the father, and the whole bit is, and meanwhile, Jordan Poole's trying to take the high road. Now, let me just say uh, one thing here, because this kind of happened to me in my, prof- in my uh, professional life. And we know, so let's go back to the notorious uh, situation where I got into a confrontation with a producer on site when we did the show. And it was a uh, St. Patty's Day show at Brownies, 23 East in Ardmore. Uh, now, at, at that time, that guy said something to me. And see, w- when, when you're from somewhere where you're used to fighting, like those are fighting words, it's immature. But if you grow up that way, there's a seed inside you that never leaves you, which is, I assume, what happened to Draymond Green and what happened to me. The guy said something really heinous that pushed a button of mine that made me want to say, stand up for yourself and fight back. All right, I, I was wrong to do that. And years after the fact, I lost my job at it for crying out loud. I, lost, I, I, I was excoriated for like a couple of years. So I couldn't back, get back into the profession. So I paid the ultimate price. And years later, even though I look at it, I go, you know, I'm glad I stood up for myself and what was said to me. However, I, I, was, I always say that that was the biggest regret I've ever had in my career, that I did something like that. Because when you become an adult, you, go, you look back at it and you go, like, what good did that do? Like, just to satisfy my, my street ego that, that, to do something like that. So you, as an adult, you have a perspective on it. Draymond Green can't get that perspective. He's a, a zillion-dollar player, probably going to the Hall of Fame. Like, that thing should be a blip on his radar, and yet he's still bringing it up. And there comes a point in time where you got to be a grown-ass man, which he thought he was doing when he punched the guy. The grown-ass man is how he recovers from it. You stop bringing it up. That guy got traded to the East Coast. You're on the West Coast. All right, whatever happened, happened. Let it move on. But instead, this guy has to keep calling attention to his machismo and being a guy from the streets. And I go, dude, it's silly. It's silly. All these little feuds that you create are just silly. All right. That's what I had to say on Draymond. Darren, your thoughts. You, you, look, you, it's, you have to be an adult. I get it. I, I know when your manhood is challenged, but, you know, certainly, what is this, seven months after the fact? Like, move on. Let it go. I would think a lot more of him if he did that. I don't think enough people think that way. You know, I, I just... More people are thinking better of Jordan Poole now for taking the high road. Yeah. His comment, his only comment was get a hobby, <laughs> which is, you know, it's like, which is a great response. It is. Like, you know, stop, man. I, okay. You, you, you punched me in the head and I'm, I got embarrassed because I got, I'm the one who got beat up, but get a hobby. 
And, and taking a high road like that is more effective than what Draymond Green does. Like, Draymond Green has an insane gene. You know? There is there's an insane chip in that guy's head, man. I know how much he's appreciated as a teammate, but I, enough is enough with this he has dude. No filter. Whatsoever. And he's going to wind up being on TNT. He's going to get rewarded for his brashness by getting a nice cushy TV job when it's all said. Yeah. It's amazing, it's amazing to me. Uh, all right. So uh, that's the Draymond Green thing. Last thing we talk about on the current, uh, the Open. Not, it's not the British Open. It's oh. the Open, and it's at, uh, it's at Royal Liverpool, where Tiger won, Royal and Rory has won there, and they're back, they're back at it at uh, Royal, Royal Liverpool. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, can you explain the Royal to me? I, I guess the... Uh, yeah, you know, the UK has been draped in royalty for a lot, so they everything is better royal, than like a golf ball. course. It's Ro- Royal yeah. Burksdale, Royal uh, Liverpool, uh, Royal this, Royal that. All right, uh, uh, I <laughs> I play at Rural Walnut Lane. Uh, all right, so there, so there you go. Uh, all right, so the Open, uh, and I just want to give you some interesting odds that you can find on uh, on Bet Rivers right now. Uh, I looked at some odds last night, and uh, my pick on the odd last night and i know you're not going to believe this because tommy fleetwood happens to be lead the tournament at plus five last night i wrote down with a star and i know people are going to believe it fleetwood at plus 2500 was a damn good bet that's the first one i went to was fleetwood plus 2500 uh the the favorite rory was plus 699 on bet rivers scheffler plus 700 Ron plus twelve hundred, Cameron Smith plus sixteen hundred, Kefka plus eighteen hundred, Cantlay and Hovland were plus two thousand, and uh, Fleetwood was plus twenty five hundred along with Xander Shawfle. A um, couple of other bets that you might be interested in uh, for a long shot: Matthew Fitzpatrick is plus forty five hundred, Shane Lowry plus twenty eight hundred, Ricky Fowler's plus twenty five hundred. He's been hot. Justin Rose always hangs in there plus five thousand. Now, as you know, I like to bet top five bets because I think you cover your ass a little bit by by betting some high uh, odds guys that can finish in the top five. So he, here were uh, my uh, top uh, bets for if you're betting a top five. Rory's plus 175. I don't think you can lose on that. I think he's going to be in the top five. I don't know if he's going to win it. Scheffler plus 175. Canley and Hovland and uh, Kepka are plus 450 to finish in the top five. And Fleetwood, my man. Plus 500 to finish in the top five. Darren, you throw 100 on that, that's 500 coming back to you. I'm always surprised at how good the odds are on a top five finish. Like, there's, it's good. You can make a lot of money just by betting that. All right. And now here's one that I think is a solid bet that you might not be able to lose on. To make the cut, uh huh? Can't lay Shoffley Morikawa to make the cut plus 100. All three of them have. Yeah, that's a great bet. I like that a lot. There you go. All right. So you're not going to make a lot of money on it, but that looks like a solid bet. Morikawa, I guess, is the shakiest one to make the cut. You know, yeah, well, probably because he's not playing very well right Can't now. Can't lay Shawfle will make yeah. the cut. No doubt. All right. That does it today for The Current. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Okay. Well, today we have a very special guest. Now, we've had a lot of big guests that uh, – this is probably my most special guest, I, I have to say. This is her first time uh, on the podcast. And uh, frankly, all the years I've done radio, she's managed to escape most of it. Uh, she is my daughter, the lovely Kira Missanelli, who next week is getting married. So this is her last shot as a single person on the podcast. If she comes on later, it'll be as a married woman. Hello, Kira. Hi. I've been on your <laughs> show in, in the past. You have been on the radio show, but not on the podcast. So, True. so here you are on on the podcast, and, and you're getting married next week. So, I guess the first question is, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. For the most part, I'm pretty pretty relaxed. I think you are pretty relaxed. You've been going through all these preparations. You are pretty relaxed, and so you're just you're ready to go. Are there any last minute snags that we should know about? Um, I mean. Just all the Italians that are going to be there can, you know, be a little volatile. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> it could be volatile, huh? This is a wedding full of a lot of Italian people. 
Yeah, Kira could say that she's only half Italian. So, uh, however, Tom is also half Italian. So yes, we so have her husband. Tom is also half Italian. So you got uh, a couple blenders, uh, but there will be some full breed Italians uh, at the uh, at the wedding. So we're we're all looking forward to it. I have a lot, like, a lot of friends have come in. I haven't seen you for a really long time. Uh, and so before we started this, this is a question that I don't think we've ever talked about. Uh, because you said uh, right before we got on that you were you were literally born into this, meaning this whole media thing that I've been involved in uh, my whole life. But you've always been like totally unfazed by it, which well, has been pretty like you, you, you haven't really been affected by it or talked about it or whatever. Like, well, how does that feel to you? This whole this whole thing about your dad being kind of like a controversial talk show host. Well, I've never really known anything different. Um, I think you started on the radio literally in 1991 when I was born. Am I right? Yes, that is correct. Well, 92, I think I started. So you are just born. Yes. So I've literally never known anything different. So I don't think I have anything to be faced by. I mean, I was a little kid and you would bring me to, to your show. I would sit on the great sports debate. I would be in the background at restaurants when you were recording. So... It's just been my life. <laughs> yeah, but you're like always like you, like you were never like excitable about it. It was like you always took everything in stride. Thanks. <laughs> well, <laughs> how, how do you do that? Is that just your personality? Is such <laughs> like uh, you know, I have more of a uh, an A personality, I guess, than you. But like, what, like, what did it seem like to you? All this media nonsense, and we're in public, and we're doing shows in public, and and all this fanfare that's around it. I really, truly think that I just never knew anything different. And you were always just my dad. So it was never really something to be phased by. Here's the one thing I remember as you were a little girl and I was doing a car ad. One of the first things that I like, one of the big perks of being on the radio is that these car dealers advertise with you. And part of the deal is they give you the car to drive. And one of my first car dealers was a, I had a red Mercedes, which was gorgeous. Do you remember that red Mercedes? Because You were fascinated by it. Yes, actually, um, my mom just sent me pictures of me with you in that red Mercedes and you're like washing the car. Did she send that? Did she text yes, that picture to you? I, I was like, it wasn't even my car, but I was so like enamored with having a red Mercedes that I washed it like every two days. Uh, so, so Yeah, I have a lot of pictures on yeah, that sorry. car. So when you grow up, you don't really understand. But then you get a little older and um, people of your age group or friends of yours are listening to me say outrageous stuff. Um, Pete, what was it like when people approached you? You would go and, uh, okay, you would give somebody your name and somebody would say to you, are you any relation to the guy that's on the radio? What would you say? Yes, he's my dad. I still get get that. that. I still get that. Actually, I have a funny story. One time I was at Xfinity Live with my friends and it must have been after like Phillies game or something. I went up and gave them my ID and the bouncer read my name and was like, oh, are you any relation to Mike Missnelli? And I said, yeah, he's my dad. And he laughed at me and went, huh, you wish. <laughs> I was like, why would, why would I lie about that? And my friends were just laughing like, no, that's really your dad. Did he give you any special privileges? No, because I don't think he believed me. Like, what, I have a fake ID with this name? Have you gotten any benefit at all? from your from your last name or have you been been like punished because of your last name um a little of both maybe all right give me, like, <laughs> give me an idea like how are you punished by it? Or people um, didn't like me came up to you and said he, your dad's an ass mm, no but i think you know what i think was hard was probably getting a job in philly especially um since i was a journalism major at penn state and trying to get a job in journalism after college and obviously people in publications knowing who you were, I think maybe um, just put a red flag sometimes on my name because people knew who you were. What, so that wouldn't be a benefit to you? It was a red You know flag? what? I think I thought it was going to be a benefit. And then, I don't know, you would do things sometimes that, would, <laughs> that people thought were, was controversial. And then... So people with afraid of you. Oh, see, that's it. See, I, I don't that know if they're afraid feel, of me, but yeah, that makes me feel terrible to hear that. And again, I guess that's a byproduct of it when you're uh, when you're like as brash as I was in the radio. It, it could be a, a backfire. And I'm I'm really sad to, to hear that, but <laughs> it, it looks like things worked out for you, and you found uh, 
you found your own niche. Well, I did, I did a switch. You know what happened is that um, I got laid off from Philadelphia Magazine, which who knows if that was partially because of they knew who you were or not. But you know, my whole thing with them was kind of weird. Um, and just did a total switch to to go from journalism to, to PR and marketing, which I think was a better fit for me anyway. Yeah, uh, I think it was. Uh, did you, uh, what, what was the, the, the biggest benefit you got out of this? Um, Having a last name, Miss Nelly, was there any benefit at all? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I got a lot, I got to do a lot of cool things with you. I will say, I don't know if people, people don't really treat me differently because of who you are, unless you're with me. Um, I don't think that people will see my, like the Xfinity live thing. It's not like I got anything special from, from yeah, going. You didn't get a free meal anything. or anything. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Darren uh, has a thing he does with me, producer Darren. And I don't know if you remember Darren. Darren was a producer of mine back in the radio days with Steve Fredericks. And you remember Steve, of course. Uh, you were very little when we were doing the show. Uh, but Darren does this thing with me called Three Questions for Mikey Miss, and, and he's going to do it for you now. So are you, are you up for that? Sure. Okay. Go ahead, Darren. Three questions here. Okay. So you have not been given these questions prior to. I have, right? not. have not. I have no idea what you're going to ask me. Okay. So um, as a reminder, you're getting married next week. Congratulations. That's just absolutely awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Can't you. wait. It's going to be a great night. Thank you. A great day and night. <laughs> um, all right. So I have three questions for you, Kira Missinelli. First question is, What's the worst thing you ever did and got caught? And what was your punishment? From my dad or the worst thing I the worst thing I ever and nothing, you had to get caught. I don't want I don't want you I don't want you pulling any skeletons out of the closet here. Today. Oh, what's the worst thing that my dad ever caught me doing? Um that's a great question. Um my wife came up with that question, by the way. So what's the worst thing my dad ever did and caught me? Um, I don't, this is something that he didn't catch me for, but I just had to tell you, I think I was a sophomore in college and we had this one class where you had to just take your classes online. This was at Penn state. And it was just like, a, it, the class was a science class and it was just so I needed the credit. I had nothing to do with science. And the, the course was called safety science. It was something so stupid. And a bunch of girls in my sorority did it. And we would take these tests and we would be in the rooms next to each other, whatever. And the teacher tracked our IP addresses and thought we were cheating. So all of a sudden at the end of the semester, me and this girl in my sorority just had zeros for our the whole class. And I thought I was going to fail this class. I had to go back and forth with this professor and talk to him like three different times. And I remember calling you being like, hysterical, like I'm going to fail this class. And I think that's maybe the, the worst thing I ever had to tell you but but i don't know if you ever caught me doing something bad no, no i never did in fact i ne i don't even think as far as my perspective is you've never done anything bad now there might be a couple things i don't know about but uh, like i i don't the one thing about you is that you never caused any trouble uh i can't even think of something where you where you caused some trouble you were out late one night or whatever it is. I just can't think of it. I really can't either. Like that story I just told was a stretch. My, co my like college cheating story is, yeah, is really you know, a stretch. There, there wasn't anything. <laughs> the, the only thing that sticks out in my mind is that you were ready to go to Boston university and we get up there. Oh no, he froze on us. And, and I know I can tell like we go to Boston, you and you're accepted and you're ready to go. And I'm going, Oh man, this is going to be cool college experience. Cause I wanted you to have a different college experience than I did. And when you got, the, we got to Boston, I could see it on your face that you weren't digging it. And like, I could read you and I like saw your emotions and it was like, that was not for you. And, um, so we had to like shift in mid flight. Is that the worst thing you think I ever, is way. that the worst thing you think I ever did? No, I don't, I don't think, he, I don't think it was actually a bad thing. You were following your heart, but that that's the only like moment I could think of controversy where then I had to kind of fix a couple things. And, oh yeah. Uh, I had a full anxiety attack. I was going to yeah. Boston university. We went in July for my college orientation. I got my Boston ID card and everything. And I was just there like, Oh my God, this doesn't feel like college to me. And I was freaking out about it. And then yeah. I got home and was like, this doesn't feel like college. I can't do it. So then 
you called Penn State. That was a benefit for sure, but you were yeah, a Penn State you alum like a and you, play, play and you pulled some strings and then I, <laughs> I ended up at Penn State. But that was crazy because I switched in July or August and yeah, school started a, in, yeah, in August. Rush. It was a rush to be at a deadline and, and do all that stuff. Uh, but it worked out. And so normally everything with you works out. Darren, what, what other question you have? Pretty much you're an angel child. That's great to know that there was at least one born in this world. All right, question number two. What's the fondest memory you have with your dad? Um, that's a really good memory I have with my dad. One of my favorite memories with my dad, this is another college thing. I think we, my, my dad and I had a lot of good bonding time in college just because of the Penn State thing. Um, but when I was a junior, um, my dad came up because he had a book signing for his book about about. Penn State. And we went to Joe Paterno's last game and we got to watch it in the presidential suite and it was snowing and we um, were up there with all the, you know, high up Penn State people. We met the president at the time who was Graham Spanier. And then literally two days later, the Sandusky scandal broke um wow. and everything got shut down which was wild um yeah it turned out that to be was... his last game as a coach and you were a student at the time and all that went down so uh you were there yeah. at a really interesting time yeah but that was wow. that was such a good memory and and like going to the corner room and going to the game and and then it's just crazy how it ended and that we got to see that together yeah if i don't I wasn't mistaken sandusky happened to be in the suite that that oh was he in the suite that day i believe he was yeah it was a a very very weird circumstance yeah well let me tell you my that's a good memory memory. i take it back to school okay so uh, i take her back one and was it your sophomore year junior whatever it was um i i uh take you into the room and uh this the odor of pot is like flying out of the room And it's it's her roommate and it's been spoken pot and uh her roommate comes back in and you were really embarrassed <laughs> my friend kathleen is still embarrassed by this i just saw her she was at my bachelorette party and she still talks about the story too because she ended up being so embarrassed by it <laughs> and i go well you know what I, I that's not like that's not outrageous to me it's like a kind of a normal thing so uh that didn't stun me whatsoever but i know i know it kind of embarrassed you all right, okay, Dan, what else you got? Last question. Okay, question number three, Kira. Um, your dad and I have kind of a thing when we talk about being a parent, and that's to teach good lessons. So what's the most important lesson your dad taught you? And give me one that you use rather often. Um, what is the, the best lesson that my dad ever taught me? Um, I think he taught me to be very resilient with, my career and to just always be doing things. Um, I remember having an internship. I don't know why I keep going back to college, I guess, because I I lived with you for a little bit in college, but um, I had an internship in college and I remember it was like two or three days a week and, and coming back to your house and you being like, so that's all you're doing. (laughs) I was like, okay, I guess I have to have three jobs at all times. Um, which I still do. I always have sort of like a backup, which um, I think you always kind of instilled with me to be to, to just be doing a lot of different things and have have your foot in different doors. Yeah, be versatile, I think was the, the message. Try to fill yeah. your brain with as much as you can because nobody could ever take that away from you. Uh, okay, you so go. I guess that's three questions for Kira. <laughs> yeah somehow they all ended up being college related but yeah well you know i, I have so many little memories of you though uh i'll probably uh, uh, spring a couple uh in my speech at your wedding um so i gotta give this how long do you want it to be you want me to be short or do you want me to be because yeah, i'll be short but like you can, i mean you're opening it up so you can do a long speech yeah i won't do a long speech that bores people but I, i'll get I'll, <laughs> I'll have some interesting little tales to tell uh, all right. Well, uh, listen, kid, you uh, relax. If you need me this week, uh, let me know. Uh, I just feel like I have to, sh- I, I'm just showing up at this thing. Like everything is in the wheels are in motion and all I had to do was show up basically. Yeah. I mean, I think Tom's basically showing up too. I, see, I'm a type A in that way that I've planned everything super in advance and I feel like I'm chilling and the men are just showing up. The girls are doing everything. All right. That's, that sounds good. All right. Love you. Take care. All right, love you.
Bye. Bye. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty. Thanks to Kira Missanelli, special guest on today's podcast. You know, uh, I, I think people are interested in dynamics. I've kept my personal life kind of like in, uh, uh, in, in silent. You know, I don't really talk about it much. So um, there you go. You get the little taste of what my daughter's like. She's a great kid, and I'm very proud of her. Uh, okay, so let's go now into uh, Mike Unleashed. All right, so uh, let's start out with tonight, or is it tomorrow night? It's tomorrow night, I believe, in Miami. Messi is making his debut. And, and God, pl- what, this has been the longest debut I've ever heard of. It's been like two months of when is Messi going to play. And there's video of him in grocery stores, walking around the streets. They have they have a game the other night. Does he play? No. They introduce him in his contract to a sellout crowd. They're finally going to put a freaking pair of shorts on and kick a soccer ball tomorrow. So I guess that's going to be highly anticipated. Uh, he's making a ton of money to play in an inferior league. You talk about stealing money. This guy. Uh, Lionel Messi, what do you think of him, Darren? He's a great soccer player. <laughs> I, I, mean, they, I mean, these these soccer contracts, you, you talk about American sports contracts. Like Ronaldo got like, uh, Ronaldo got some ridiculous $100 million a year to play for that Saudi team. Like these soccer contracts. And you're right. They don't play. They're yeah, never no, there. They jump teams. They jump countries every couple of years. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was amazing, like the lead up to this. Well, like, what did he? What was he in? Not in good shape. He's a professional soccer player. What did he need? Seven months to get get ready? Like I, I don't get it. He's okay to go to the grocery store, but not to, to put on a pair of shorts and, and soccer shoes. All right. Anyway, good luck to Messi tomorrow night in uh, in Miami. All right, Steph Curry, another legend. Uh, it, it pisses me off. I'm gonna be honest with you. That that freaking guy is so good playing golf. Like, I, you talk about stuff being unfair in this world. Like, I've been trying to play golf for a lot of years, right? I can't get it down. This guy, natural. Boom. He wins freaking tournaments. He hits it long. He hits it straight. He makes eagle putts. He makes a 25-footer to win the freaking tournament in, in Tahoe. I'm sick of it, <laughs> frankly. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of him being good at shit. I, I really am. I can't take it anymore. And not only that, he wins the tournament, but he's so popular that Marty Fish, nobody knows Marty Fish from the, the fish you catch in the, in the Delaware River, right? But he's a former uh, professional tennis player for like a half an hour. But, but he, play, he plays guy, and he's like all these guys that are in this pro tour, the, the same names come up, and he's a pretty good golfer, right? Well, he's going down the stretch with Steph Curry, and he's in the backswing of an approach shot, and somebody ye- yells in his backswing. And it messes up his whole shot, and it opens it up for, for Curry to win the thing. Oh, come on now. You know, Steph Curry's that popular. They don't want Marty Fish to freaking win. You got to yell on his backswing. That guy should go to jail who did that. That is a, like a complete no-no. It reminds me, when I go to golf course, I'm on the, on the ninth tee box, which borders a road at my golf course, and some dickhead will go by in a car and beep the horn in your backswing. And I've always said, if Mike was president of the United States, Every citizen would be allowed one RPG, all right? And in this case, if I'm on a ninth tee box and a guy yanks in my backswing with the horn, I go to my golf bag, I got my mini RPG. As he's going down the street, I go, (laughs) and you deserved it. All right. Oh, that's great. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Are you interested in the Legends Home Run Derby? I am. Junior Griffey said, and I listen, I can still hit him. I can still hit him out. I'm going, really? He goes, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Tommy climbs in, and then Poppy and Pujols. So four guys, Griffey, Tommy, Poppy, Pujols. Would you not be interested in a home run derby? The more I think about it, yes. Actually, that would be fun to watch. Yeah, now, now, I don't know. Like, they'd have to hit it out. I don't know. They could obviously can't hit them out consistently as these major league players. But Griffey's saying he can still yank. And maybe Pujols, two, two years ago, was still yanking. Poppy, I don't know about. I have no idea. But Tommy said, yeah, I, you know, my, I, I, I hit a few home runs for my kids that I coach. 
<laughs> so, like, if you throw BP to those monsters, they're going to hit it out. I'm, I'm totally interested in that. Now, the pace would be less. They'd have more time between pitches, I think. Right? You have to give them more time. Are you going to move the fence in a bit, or are we going to keep this separate? No, that's what I'm ballpark? saying. You can't move the fences in, because that would cheapen it. I they'd agree. still have to be able to hit it out. Yeah. All right? Yeah, I would definitely. more I think about it, absolutely. I would love to All see right. that. So, I'm down with that. I think it's a great idea, and I think it would add a little luster to uh, the proceedings. Uh, and uh, my, uh, first of all, I'm, I'll take that stupid celebrity softball game out. Get these, get these freaking ladies, people that are the these worst. Off, people have never swung a baseball, but it's embarrassing. Right? They, they get out and play, they think they can play softball. It embarrasses me as a, as a player to see these. Not to mention, what if it's a celebrity? Like, they're these, I don't even know who these people are. Yeah, I, I, time, I, I can right? do without that celebrity game. Let's put the, the yeah. legends, the home run derby in there. Uh, all right, and finally, you know, this has nothing to do with anything except my, imag- my fertile imagination. Uh, the other day I was thinking about why I like chick front rock singers, front, front women rock singers for bands. I've always been enamored with, with girls who front bands, rock chicks who front bands. So I started to think, you know, who are my favorites? Who would I rank a- as my favorites? And I broke it down into a list of 10. And uh, with with uh, classic and then uh, also, uh, others that need to be c- included. So here is the way uh, I broke it down, Darren. Uh, I'm going to go with, and you can help me with the order, but I'm going um, Stevie Nicks, number one. You okay with that? Well, you know how much I love Fleetwood Mac, so absolutely I'm all right with that. You, all right, so you're, you're, you're going with that one. Okay, now I'll go number two. I'll go uh, Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders. Yeah, she was spectacular. Classic, yeah, right? Very much. All right, number three, uh, just because of her success, I, I don't really, uh, I'm not a big fan, but Gwen Stefani, I guess, would have to be in there fronting No Doubt. Yeah, not, not really a fan either, but yeah, you got to respect her talent, sure. Okay, and then I would go with uh, Grace Slick fronting The Jefferson Airplane. Classic Fair. rock. Fair, yep. Uh, and then for number five, uh, I am going with Shirley Manson. Dude, from garbage. garbage. You and I saw them live. I'll never yes. forget that show. We were like right up front. I, th- I was wondering if you were going to say her name because I think she is great. Yes. So I go Shirley Manson, uh, Stevie Nicks, Gwen Stefani, uh, Grace Slick. And Chrissy Hine. That's my top classic five. Strong five. Here are my second five. My second five include Annie Lennox from the Eurythmics. Yeah, Yeah, I might even bounce uh, Jefferson Airplane out for her, but go ahead. Dolores O'Riordan from the Cranberries. Spectacular. Yes. She died a couple years ago, didn't she? Yes. Blondie. Okay. Yep. Deborah Harry. Blondie. And uh, let's see. And four, Courtney Love from Hull. Yes. (laughs) And then there's a tie for 10th among the following three. Karen O from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Okay. Florence Welsh from Florence and the Machine. Definitely. And Haley Williams from Paramore. I'm not, a, I'm not into Paramore. Absolutely Florence and the Machine. She is I'm awesome. in the business of misery. Come on now. <laughs> Those three, you can pick one and make it your 10th. So there you go. There's my list of female singers. That's a good list. I definitely go Florence. All right. But yeah. Let's close it down for today, folks. Uh, We want you all to have a great weekend. And, of course, a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the great people at Bet Rivers. The next time we see you, we may be on video. We've had a couple snags and arranging the video, but this uh, you'll be able to actually watch this podcast, and uh, that should happen. We're going to take a couple weeks off, and hopefully when we come out of it, we'll have episode number 100, which will be a special episode, and then by then we'll probably be – on video, and that's the courtesy of the people at Bet Rivers. Don't forget to get the Bet Rivers app where you can make all your British Open or the Open bets. Uh, and I gave you uh, those bets earlier in uh, 
uh, the podcast and hopefully you make some money on that. It's a great way to make money. Golf is a great betting sport, especially uh, on the Bet Rivers app. Um, thank my people also from uh, Natural Lawn. They were over the other day. Natural Lawn takes care of my lawn. Uh, and, and they put a little application here for the summer to, to make sure that the, the lawns don't burn out. I'll tell you, they take care of my lawn with organic material. I, I love them. And naturallawn.com, uh, if you need to get hooked up, don't try to do this stuff yourself. You're going to mess up your lawn. Your lawn, you got to have lawn appeal. You, you got to have uh, curb appeal with your lawn. Uh, all right, you can uh, reach me, uh, mike at mikemiss.com, if you have any comments, anything we've said. And again, I'm doing this contest for my Friday, Friday blog, which will uh, be filed tomorrow on my website, mikemiss.com. I do a Friday video blog. And uh, if you send me any kind of a reaction in the email, you could win Mike Miss swag, Mike Miss podcast swag. Got some brand new hats in, and I want to give them away to people. And all you got to do is uh, give me an email in the form of a sound off call, like I used to do with the sound off on the radio. Uh, just uh, react to anything, your life, sports, whatever. You send me uh, a very intriguing uh, email, short or long, it doesn't matter. You will uh, win some swag. I send it personally to you. I mail one out the other day to our first winner. Uh, so please do that. Uh, also on Twitter, you follow me, MikeMiss25. And uh, if you want a cameo shout-out, go to cameo.com. Put my name in there. I'll give you a personalized cameo shout-out for a wedding, for an engagement. Uh, congratulations. You got fantasy football coming up. I'll, I'll be your narrator for that. Anything you can think of that you want to get a personal shout-out, just go to Cameo. Dot com. All right, I think we're done, right? Uh, just, I want to say, uh, end of season one, it's been a great, uh, better part of a year so far. I, I have one question for you. Next yes. Saturday, uh, on the day of your daughter's wedding, are you fully prepared <laughs> for me to come to you for a favor? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luca, I, I might be... I might be all tied up with Luca. Yeah. When Luca comes you in, you have a guys, room reserved in the back for you to sit. Yeah, L- L- Luca's going to take about an hour of my time. I don't know if I have time for you. <laughs> I might have to work the door to yeah. cover the line. He's going to be talking about the masculine child the whole bit. So I, I, I got to patronize him. <laughs> Congratulations, Shakira. All right. So everybody have a great rest of the day. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you on the other side as we take a, a, a few days off. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And uh, this time that uh, you can go back in time and catch all our podcasts. We've had an amazing uh, allotment of guests. We've had more than 50 guests in less than 100 episodes. And we're going to publish the list of, uh, of all the guests that we've had so far. You can go back and catch all those interviews that we've done uh, in the first year of this podcast. You get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Amazon, Google. Uh, Apple, iTunes, Spotify. And if you're friends that uh, aren't uh, that savvy with computer, just go to Google. Google my name, Mike Missnelli Podcast. It'll pop up. You click it. You subscribe. It comes to your inbox. It's real easy. Spread the word uh, because we want uh, a zillion listeners to the Mike Missnelli Podcast. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. And we will talk to you uh, on the other side. See you. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missnelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.